Welcome to Find Myself Free, the podcast. I'm Ellie Young, alcohol-free life coach, mom, and athlete. I'm dedicated to helping others change their relationship to alcohol by sharing my journey of transformation. Fascinated by my own capacity for change after decades of gray area drinking, I'm passionate about sharing what I've learned from neuroscience and positive psychology to help you break free from the drinking cycle and unlock your true potential. Hear my personal stories of triumph and struggle as I navigate raising two boys, finding myself after 40, building a business, and doing it all alcohol-free. From women's health and cycle syncing to fasting and biohacking, this podcast is your roadmap to a healthier, purpose-filled life that starts with changing your relationship to alcohol. It's time to embrace change, find balance, and create the life you were meant for. Welcome to Find Myself Free. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Find Myself Free. I'm Ellie Young, and today I want to talk to you guys about hormones and alcohol. So this is a really hot topic, not only for me, but in the world right now. Perimenopause and menopause are finally getting the attention they deserve. There's more and more studies coming out, and um, a lot of big businesses are, are creating products to sell to women to help with their hormonal health. And of course, there's a lot of big names, you know, um, coming out and really becoming advocates for women's health. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow is one who's, you know, getting behind a lot of different um, hormone hormonal health products and whatnot. So it's it's getting a lot more attention, which is great. Um, so we have this massive market now, right, of of women who are in their late 30s and 40s who are, you know, now investing in balancing their hormones and learning about it. And, you know, what we're learning is that it's, it's basically, it's tied to everything. It is tied to us losing weight. It's tied to our mental health. It's tied to our ability to exercise, um, how, how we manage relationships, how we manage our work environments it's everything. It's at the top of the hierarchy kind of in our health world is our hormones. And um, it's, you know, as we approach this kind of perimenopausal phase and it's everything starts to kind of get thrown off balance is it's funny that this is now when we are learning it, like we should have been learning it when we were in our teens, when we first were starting our cycles. So um, a lot of the information I'm going to, um, Share to you, share with you guys today comes from a couple different sources. So I will try to, I'll do my best to kind of cite those so you guys can get those books or those podcasts because I'm a big reader and um, a lot of what I do is compile this information and share it with you guys. Share you share with you what I've been learning on my journey um, into this kind of hormone hormonal world that I really could only do now that I'm alcohol free. Um, I rarely paid attention to my cycle before I was always kind of shocked or surprised by my period every month, like, oh, there it is. Whoops. No wonder I was crazy the last couple of days or no wonder I, you know, felt like that or felt like this. Um, it was always kind of in hindsight. Um, I never understood what was happening all the other days of my period. I mean, I kind of vaguely knew when I was ovulating and how to be more, you know, protect protective around those times. Um, but other than that, I really didn't change anything about my diet. I didn't change anything about how I worked out I or um, or how I behaved in the work world or anything according to my cycle. And so that's now something um, I'm paying a lot more attention to. But um, 
what's interesting again is I go back to this, you know, this massive amount of women who are who are now me me included who are now trying to kind of balance our hormones and we're trying all the things now, right? We're trying all the different exercise classes. We're trying the fancy diets, um, different supplements, uh, drugs, pharmaceuticals, um, you know, hello, Ozempic. I will get into that on another podcast, but, um, you know, fancy skincare. But at the end of the day, most women are still clinging to their wine, to their booze. And it's because we've been conditioned to see that as a reward, as the relief to our stress, as the elixir of life, as the glue that bonds our friendships. But it's working against all of our other efforts. And on one side, we are desperately trying to balance our hormones, yet we're ingesting this substance that completely dismantles that entire that entire balance in our body. So what are we This is our biggest challenge as women especially as we age. Our hormones dictate everything. They are they are literally at the top of, you know, the kind of hierarchy in a series of like chain reactions in the body for a bunch of other kind of processes to take place. So when they're off and out of balance, we suffer. And on top of that, there's this big elephant in the room that alcohol also causes nine different cancers, most notably breast cancer. And this is tied to estrogen. So the way alcohol is impacting our hormones is directly leading to estrogen dominance, which is directly linked to breast cancer. Um, so it's just, it's just, I can't believe that this information isn't more like pronounced and that it's not more available to women. And that, you know, in all the studies that I've been doing, I really, you know, I haven't really learned as much as I'm going to share with you today until recently. And so I, I hope you guys take this to heart and um, that it does change you um, because this information is part some of the reasons why I, I, I will never drink again. Um, because what are we doing? I, I'm, I'm really, I'm trying to think if there's a more damaging product out there, especially for women, because unfortunately, because of our hormones and our unique biochemistry, we're more vulnerable to the effects and damage of alcohol than men. Um, so is there another product that is so beloved and mass marketed to us in so many different ways? As like, you know, the answer to all our problems as this elixir to life? You know, is there another product that we just celebrate as much that is quite literally killing us? Um. You know, I made a reel like a while back when I was still like learning how to make reels and I wasn't very good at it, but I thought this one was pretty clever at the time. And it was me trying to make one of those pharmaceutical commercials where they list off all of the terrible side effects and they do it in that kind of monotone robotic voice at the very end. And when you really like listen carefully, it's they're awful, right? I mean, it's just like diarrhea, vomiting, nausea, you know, dizziness heart palpitations, like all these awful, awful things. But then the commercial is just like, oh, this person's just like living their best life and 
so happy to have found relief in this drug. Um, so I kind of tried to make a mock reel of that kind of experience. Like here, here we are. Like what if alcohol had to put on their label all of the side effects? Um, you know, what would you still drink it? Like, and I, you know, it sounds very similar to one of those pharmaceutical ads. It's like nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, loss of brain function, blackouts. Um, it kills your gut microbiome. It gives you cancer, nine different cancers. Um, you know, you have loss of your motor, motor skills and coordination, slurred speech, you know, disrupted sleep, all the things, right? Violence, rape, drug, drunk driving, hormonal imbalance, right? Um, so I just, we don't, we can't, I think what is the only label we have on alcohol? It's like drink responsibly, which is a complete, you know, shame cycle of like the fact that they put this label on there as like, it's on you. We know this, this substance is toxic and it can cause all these things, but we're not going to tell you that. We're just going to say, it's on you to drink this responsibly as if there's a responsible amount that you should be able to, you know, moderate and control and, you know, never experience any of these bad side effects, right? Now I get it. I'm a total downer. And it sounds like I'm demonizing alcohol, which I am. But um, I want you to understand that it, it might feel right now that I'm taking your one thing away, like the one treat you allow yourself. I hear all the time, you know, I still see a place for alcohol in my life. I still enjoy it in these certain occasions. I still want that glass of wine with the meal. I still want to have, you know, wine with my girlfriends out. And I totally get that, right? But all I really want you to do is to just wake up and say, hey, if you're struggling with your health and you're struggling with your hormonal health at this at this phase of your life, but you're doing everything else right and you're still drinking and you're suffering, it, it is time to take a look at it so that you can go into your drinking with eyes wide open. So you're not, you know, pretending that alcohol is this reward and and that the belief that it is helping with your anxiety and stress that the belief that you really need it for all these other reasons it's just factually untrue it's scientifically untrue those are just conditioned beliefs that you haven't you know approved to yourself that they're false um and then when you hear all of the, the these health effects that you can still go into that choice and say, okay, I understand the risk involved. I understand the cost benefit analysis here. And I'm still going to, I'm still going to drink. And I know what I need to do to detox as effectively as possible. I mean, that's what I used to do. I used to try to say, okay, I would attempt all of the detox remedies. I had all these different supplements to try and like detox me. Um, so the end, you know, but at the end of the day, I, my mental health, my physical health, everything was still suffering. I couldn't detox enough to counter the damage I was doing to myself. Um, so anyways, I just, I want you to be able to make an informed decision because there's no question that alcohol is causing hormonal imbalances. It causes cancer. In fact, I'm going to give you some cancer statistics that I actually looked up today because I wanted to be really crystal clear on these for you guys. Um, so this is from 
breastcancer.org. And it was that the fact that women who drink three drinks per week have a 15% higher risk of breast cancer. So that's three drinks per week. Now, I really don't know anybody who drinks who only has three drinks per week. I would say they have three drinks per night. I know back when I was drinking, um, I was drinking anywhere from two to four drinks per night. And honestly, my drinks were strong. So it, it could have, it could be even higher than that. Um, and the statistic also says that it goes up 10% for each addition, additional drink. So I did the math and this was alarming to do, um, that. So if I have on the low side, if it was two drinks per week and I was drinking every day of the week, very rarely did I take a night off and it was just normal. I wasn't binge drinking. I wasn't, uh, you know, blacking out or, or slurring my speech or doing anything like that. This was just a normal night of me, you know, cooking dinner with the family, having a couple drinks, putting the kids to bed. And that was my nightly routine. And um, so that so on the low side, it was 14 drinks per week. On the high side, it would be 28 drinks per week. So when I did the math, um, that could be an 185% higher risk of developing breast cancer compared to someone who doesn't drink. So that's that's where the the comparison is there. So it's 185% higher risk. That's just absolutely insane. And again, another reason why I I will never I will never drink again. Um and I, I wanted to kind of also fact check this again. So I went to Huberman Lab who also quotes a similar statistic in his episode on alcohol and effects. Um and his is 13% increase in cancer risk for every 10 grams of alcohol. So in the US, that would be one drink. So again, it's an increase of 13% for every drink you have per week. Um, and so what is, what is the correlation between alcohol and cancer? And so it's a couple things. Um, and again, I... I learned this from Huberman Lab and the breastcancer.org um, website, but it's basically, there's two reasons. And one is that it downregulates the tools in our immune system that actually regulates cancers. So um, it actually damages our DNA. This is epigenetic. So it actually turns on genes that increase tumor growth and it turns off genes that protect against tumor growth, and it actually decreases molecules that fight tumor growth. So our bodies are kind of naturally producing cancer cells all the time, but we have immune system responses to kind of defeat those. And so what this does is it kind of, alcohol basically just kills off that system. It just basically says like, oh, all those systems we have for fighting cancer, it's just going to, it just stop, makes those stop working. Um, and another reason why uh, it causes cancer is the effect that it has on our hormones. It's so it raises estrogen and estrogen is when we have higher estrogen, um, about eight out of 10 breast cancers are hormone receptor positive. So I got this from the Cleveland clinic. These cancers need estrogen to grow. So excess exposure to estrogen raises your cancer risk. So that's why the, in fact, you know, 
you know, they wouldn't give women, um, and it's still kind of a touchy subject, like hormone replacement therapy in menopause, because they thought, oh, it's going to raise your your breast cancer risk. We don't want to give you too much estrogen. So, you know, here we are avoiding giving women estrogen to help manage menopause symptoms. Um, but we are pounding the wine, which is raising our estrogen. And that's just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy that all of the things that women are suffering from in this kind of midlife era is is hormonal imbalance. And yet we are drinking this substance that just throws all of our hormones out of whack. Um, so I want to talk to you too about um, the h- hormone hierarchy. And so this really helped me kind of visualize how this all works. So on top of it, um, raising your estrogen. So that's going on. It's also you know, depleting these, these immuno response systems that, that help you fight cancer. Um, it raises your cortisol, right? So we know that alcohol is a depressant and our body responds to that depressant effect by releasing adrenaline and cortisol stress hormones. So even when you're not drinking, even if you're only having a couple drinks a week, and this isn't in Huberman lab as well, you, you maintain an elevated level of cortisol in your system, even when you're not drinking. So when your cortisol goes up, it raises your blood sugar because you're, you are essentially in like fight or flight mode and your body is like, I need blood sugar to basically act right now. It's like, I'm being chased by the tiger. I need to, I need to act. Um, and so when our blood sugar goes up, our insulin goes up and that helps you, not does it help you, it creates insulin resistance. That means um, your body is going to actually start storing fat more often, and it's going to not utilize that insulin to help the sugar, the elevated blood sugar to get into the cells. So I worked in diabetes for about a decade. I sold um, the meters that check blood sugar. So I do have a background in understanding blood sugar and diabetes and insulin and whatnot. But um, So basically, when you develop insulin resistance from having high levels of cortisol, from having high blood sugar levels, your insulin is being produced. It's you're having high levels of insulin, but it's not able to it's not being effective. It's not able to take the sugar into the cell. And so it starts storing that excess sugar as fat. This is what happens during perimenopause. And this is also what happens when you're drinking a lot elevated cortisol, elevated blood sugar creates more insulin resistance. And that basically squashes your sex hormones. You have a decline in your progesterone and which creates estrogen dominance. So basically your progesterone and your estrogen are supposed to kind of work in tango with one another. They're supposed to kind of offset each other and kind of dance with one another. Um, and they, we want them to be in balance. And when they're out of balance is when we suffer PMS like symptoms. It's when we have bloating. It's when we have low sex drive, irregular periods, mood swings, um, brain fog, uh, breast tenderness, um, you know, rage. Uh, I know for sure as I've gotten older, my PMS symptoms I'm starting to feel 
like there were some day, actually I'm, I'm getting this all under control, but there was definitely, this was back when I was drinking where I had like rage days. Like I was seeing red and we all know the old stories, all, you know, this, this curse that women have are like, oh, they get crazy in their old age. Well, that is literally just hormonal imbalance. And instead of being taught how to balance our hormones and how to work with them, we've just been drinking to cope through that. And that just kills me. It just kills me that that is our best coping strategy. And it's acceptable and it's encouraged. And there's an entire industry around, you know, getting women to drink to cope. And it is completely sabotaging us and understanding the impact that it is having on your hormonal health, on your overall health. I mean, today we're talking about hormones, but like it literally affects every aspect of your health. And it's difficult to hear this information and to you start to feel like, well, now what am I going to do for fun? You're taking away my one treat, you know, and that is where I would poke holes in that and say, is it true that that's the only way you can reward yourself? And I would say, you know, is it a reward to give yourself, you know, disrupted hormones, to give yourself disrupted sleep, to, to increase your cancer risk? That's how you're rewarding yourself. And I, I don't know how many times you have to hear this information. For me, it only took a couple times to be like, ouch, this is, this is some serious stuff. Um, here's another statistic that really like threw me for a loop. And this is on Huberman Lab. But it says that uh, one drink a day is equivalent to the carcinogenic risk of 10 cigarettes. Now, no one would think twice about having a drink a day right now. Like one drink a day, oh, they barely drink. They're a, they, they moderate. They, oh, they're not really a drinker, right? But if that person smoked 10 cigarettes a day, you'd be like, oh my God, that's so gross. That's disgusting. They're going to die of lung cancer, right? So it's just, we are, this, we are blind to this information. It's just not around. And part of that is, is because of big alcohol has done a really, really good job lobbying our governments to make sure that nobody can get these these kind of scary labels on our beloved alcohol. Um, and all of the subconscious marketing, all of the cultural conditioning that goes on to, to make it feel safe, that it's culturally acceptable to be drinking this poison um, especially as a way of coping, especially as women um, being targeted by this industry to say that, you know, your life is tough. We respect you, moms. You go through so much. You deserve that wine. That mommy wine culture is so incredibly toxic. And I, you know, I'm hoping to help you guys get enough new information of this science that is, yes, it's so difficult to hear, but it is so important to understand what is really going on in your body um, so that you can make an informed decision. And, you know, my husband, it's, it's funny, my husband is my biggest project. 
So I'm almost three years alcohol free. He's been on the journey with me and not, I've never forced him. I never asked him to change. He just witnessed me changing. And I, um, I'm a big nerd. I love to read and I love to share everything I'm learning with him. Sometimes he appreciates it. Sometimes he's a little bit like, dude, stop coaching me. Okay. I got it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. But he has also, you know, taken his time to learn these things on his own and to experiment. And he now knows all the things that I know, all of the science, and he still dabbles in with alcohol and mostly on like work trips and things like that. And he pays a severe price for it, partly because he's so clean now. Most of the time he doesn't drink. And then when he does go into these work events and he'll only have like a couple cocktails and he'll just feel miserable and he won't sleep well and he'll have like bad digestion and just, you know, feel sick. And then he has high stress, high anxiety, low patience for us and the kids. Um, and we all know it. He knows it. I know it. And I try not to point fingers. I try not to be like, cause he's going into it eyes wide open. And he's like, all right, I'm making this sacrifice, you know, because he still struggles with the notion of like some of these work relationships need, need the lubrication of alcohol to happen. Like he's, he's whining and dining clients and it's really difficult. He believes to try and hang out with basically strangers that you're, you know, are your clients and try to get deals done, especially when there's like age gaps and cultural gaps and whatnot. Um, and I totally understand that. I mean, I would, I would love for him to be able to explore that more and test it more. He has yet to do like a business meeting. He, he has milked drinks. He says he'll have like one cocktail and then drink water throughout the night. And I would love to fact check that. And I would also, you know, I would, be curious if he could just, why did you even need the one? Could you just try, just try to do, um, go completely alcohol free. And, um, he actually has a lot of, um, executives, uh, other, other people in his work world that are older than him that are kind of like his mentors and stuff that are alcohol free and have been for a long time. Um, that's a whole nother area that I'd love to explore is just alcohol in the workplace and how, we use it as a crutch to try and make business happen. It's, it's, it's just kind of crazy to me. And then you take them to these conferences and these big dinners and whatnot. And then they have to get up and do like meetings super early in the morning after they've been like partying all night with their clients. It's, it's kind of asinine and they expect you to perform. And I'm like, Dave, like my husband, I'm like, Hey, you should treat this like it's an athletic event. Like you have to perform tomorrow in front of a lot of people. Like you should be going to bed early. You should be hydrating. You should be rehearsing what you're going to be doing, like practicing like an athlete so that you can perform the next day. And the last thing you should be doing is staying up late, drinking a neurotoxin, wrecking your sleep, eating a bunch of shitty food, and then trying to be like, and now I'm going to be my sharpest and best the next day. Like it just doesn't happen. And like, how many times have we put ourselves in situations like that? Like some of my worst drinking episodes were on work trips back in the day. I was in sales. I worked for a big company. I worked for Bayer and our national sales meetings were basically booze fests. Like, and then we'd have to get up super early in the morning. I mean, it was just crazy. Everyone's so hungover. Um, ugh, bloodshot eyes. Some of those, those are some of the worst, worst moments. Anyways, I digress, but, um, getting back to, you know, our hormones, how alcohol is affecting those. Um, 
I want you guys to be paying attention. Um, some of the here's here is actually what alcohol free has has allowed me to do. So I am now so much more in tune with my body. I actually started paying attention to my cycle for the first time in what's well, 30 years, right? Other than when I was trying to get pregnant, I don't think I really paid attention to my cycle and the different fluctuations. So I read two books that changed everything for me. Um, the first one was Fast Like a Girl by Dr. Mindy Pels. And she basically teaches you how to balance your hormones through fasting. And you fast according to your cycle. So you do different types of fasting. You do intermittent fasting, which is um, you know, a 16-hour fast and eight-hour eating window. And that one's pretty easy to do. You would stop eating at 8 p.m. and then maybe not not eat again until noon the next day. That's a pretty like entry-level um, intermittent fast. And then there are certain phases of your cycle when you can do more, um, I would call aggressive fasting, where you can do 17 plus hours, 24-hour fast, or even a 36-hour fast. And I have had a lot of experience now doing 36-hour fasts that have been absolute game-changing, mind-blowing experiences for me. It sounds impossible. It sounds gnarly. And you will not believe how you can get through it. In fact, I I will do a whole other episode on this, but um, correlating the thought work, there are so much similarities between giving up alcohol and then fasting for 36 hours where you're not allowing yourself to eat because you have all of these mental cravings for food that come up, all of the reasons why you eat when you're bored, when you're stressed, when you don't want to feel for coping. It is so similar to how we used alcohol that um, I just drew a lot of like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is mind blowing. And when you can shift your beliefs around um, not eating to like, oh my God, I'm starving. I'm so hungry. Why am I doing this? You know, why am I doing this to myself? To I'm actually healing my body and I'm balancing my hormones and I'm um, doing this entire like regenerative process for my body right now through this longer, long fast. It changes the meaning of the discomfort and it allows you to get through it. And so that's why I correlate it to, to giving up alcohol, the cravings that you experience, the discomfort in the change in that neuroplasticity when you are growing and you are changing because you are getting off the drinking pattern and moving into a new behavior. It requires more energy and it's just, it's uncomfortable. It is when you can assign that discomfort, the new meaning of I am growing, I am changing, I am, I am pursuing wellness instead of I am denying myself alcohol. I'm just, I can't drink. I can't drink. I can't drink. You, you shift that belief into, I'm not denying myself anything. I am gaining health. I'm gaining um, a wellness in this incredible way. And that's what I love about um, fasting now. And so I'll do a whole other episode on that because it's been transformative for me. And I have balanced my hormones. Um, and it's helped reduce my PMS symptoms. And um, I now also the, the other book I would highly recommend to balance your hormones and to understand your cycle and to celebrate your cycle. I recommend this book for anyone with daughters, giving it to your daughters, reading it with your daughters who are who have started their cycles, because it really reframes our cycle in a completely different way. Instead of it being this curse, 
instead of it being something we should be ashamed of and, you know, hiding and, and, you know, taught that like, oh, there's this time of month when you're going to be crazy and you're going to be, you know, throughout our whole lives, we're like, you have to have babies and now you have to have the, you have to have this cycle and it's just a, a curse. Um, it really teaches you the beauty and the power in our hormones and how we can utilize them to our advantage and how we can nurture them throughout the different phases. So it, it cycle syncing is basically eating, dieting a certain way to actually feed your hormones for the periods when they need to be on the rise. You try to feed them, you nourish them. And then other periods when you can do more low carbohydrate eating, fasting, and, um, you know, you use stress, you use cortisol to your advantage because a certain amount of a stress is good for your body. Um, and then you also can work out according to your cycle. You can arrange your, you know, work situations according to your cycle, your relationships. There's so much stuff that we can do and try to try to sync with your cycle instead of living blindly to it and being surprised by your period of a month and wondering why these things are so much harder during certain phases of your cycle, you, you, you can start to plan your life more according to working with your hormones. And it's, it can be done. And it's really, really like incredible and mind blowing. Um, and the last um, podcast I want to reference here, and this was actually the inspiration for me doing this episode. I've been wanting to do an episode on this like this for a long time. But um, Holly Whitaker actually came out with a podcast recently and it was on um, hormones and addiction. So she interviews a doctor who has studied the intersection of addiction and hormonal health. And basically what they have figured out is that women are more vulnerable, um, actually more sensitive to pleasure on days five through 14 of your cycle. So this is after your period's ended, when your hormones are at their lowest point and estrogen starts to build. So when we have more estrogen, you actually have more cortisol in the body. And it also makes you um, more sensitive to pleasure. It actually, the higher estrogen is also linked to higher um, dopamine firing. And so then you are more likely to crave alcohol and more likely to be affected by the dopamine boost that it provides, which then creates more craving. So this period as estrogen is rising and, um, you know, we are just much, much more sensitive to that pleasure. And so we are more likely to binge drink. We are more likely to crave alcohol during this phase. So that is fascinating information to have. And I can't believe I've never learned it until now. Um, in addition, they talked about the days 23 through 28. So this is right before your period, the five days before your period. This is when your hormones drop and it feels like a withdrawal in the body. And so that actually, when those hormones drop off, it's that is PMS. That is when we have those low feelings. We feel pretty crappy. We feel emotional, all the things. We are actually more likely to crave alcohol and to treat those bad feelings with the alcohol. That is another vulnerable time for us. So our hormones, not only is alcohol, you know, affecting our hormonal health, our hormonal health is impacting how likely we are to drink, the how drinking actually is affecting us and affecting our pleasure circuits, and how vulnerable we are to a relapse. Had you 
um, manage to quit alcohol, when you're going to experience periods of more craving and being more vulnerable to a relapse. So this was an interesting podcast. It's Holly Whitaker. Um, her podcast is called Recovering or Recovery. Um, so check that out. It's on Apple Podcasts. But um, she also recommended the best days to quit would be days 16 to 22. So this is called your early luteal phase. So it's right after you've ovulated, your hormones have gone after this big peak of estrogen, um, it has gotten back down to low and, but they are on the rise. So this is the best phase to actually quit alcohol, which I found really, really interesting. So paying attention to your cycle, understanding your hormones as you approach drinking or quitting is incredibly beneficial to you. I hope this information um, has been as powerful for you as it was for me. And um, I went a bit over today, but as always, I am with you. You got this. And check out my website for um, more to join my community. I share all everything I'm learning um, on the fly from the latest in alcohol science and women's health. So um, check me out there at findmyselffree.com. All right. Thank you guys. I hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Hey team, you've just listened to an episode of Find Myself Free. And if some part of this left you wanting more, if your curiosity has been piqued and your intuition is telling you, I'm ready for more. I'm ready to look at my relationship to alcohol and find out just how much it's holding me back. Then check out my coaching offers at findmyselffree.com. For those ready to kickstart a change privately on their own time, I offer the Brave Course, a seven-day program to shift your mindset around alcohol and connect with your future self. This is chock full of all of the information that was key to my transformation. If you're looking for additional support, I also offer one-on-one coaching. I worked with a coach for four months at the start of my alcohol-free journey, and it made all the difference. Being able to talk to someone who knew what I was going through and could help me navigate my new world gave me a foundation of support I could build on, and it's a big reason why I'm a coach today. I want to help others find their freedom and level up their health. If this sounds good to you, then connect with me at findmyselffree.com. Listen to that intuition that was telling you you are meant for more. I'm with you. You got this.